Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Bible. I pray that you would help us to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest your word. And so we pray that you would speak to us even now, here this morning, once again, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please would you take out one of the songbooks from the pews just for a moment. Thank you. Ah, actually, not, not that one. One, one. Sorry, one of the other ones. The, 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 there's another one with hymns. Could you take, could you just, that's it. The, that, thank you. Oh, no, actually, not that one. The other one. There should be, there should be, there should be a black one. It says Holy Bible on the front of it. And if you turn to the middle, you'll find the, the ancient songbook and uh, hymn book of God's people, thousands of years old, tremendous stuff. Well, as we journey through Lent this year, our Sunday sermons are going to focus primarily on the appointed psalm for each week. I'm sure we'll make reference to some of the other texts as well. But, you know, the psalms are a great treasure for us at any time, but especially when you feel like you're in a spiritual desert. And Lent, of course, can sometimes be like that. Writing about the Psalms, John Calvin said, all the griefs, sorrows, fears, misgivings, hopes, cares, anxieties, in short, all the disquieting emotions with which the minds of men are wont to be agitated, the Holy Spirit here pictured exactly. And that is so true. You find all the emotions. Sometimes they're pretty raw. They're pretty tough stuff in the Psalms. The writers hold nothing back in their anger, in their outrage, in their despair, in their questioning. And so the Psalms are a great resource and treasure for us in our prayer and our meditation of Scripture. And they can be a source of great comfort and challenge when life is hard. Augustine said, give me one who yearns, give me one who's hungry, give me one far away in this desert who is thirsty and sighs for the spring of the eternal country. Give me that sort of man. But if I speak to a cold man, he just doesn't know what I'm talking about. If you have any sense of yearning, if you are hungry or thirsty for God. If you are sighing this morning for help, for healing, for hope, for yourself or a loved one, if you are feeling despair in the face of last week's yet another tragic, terrible, awful shooting, may I commend to you the Psalms as a good place at least to deal with your own questioning and crying out to the Lord. The Psalms give voice to our emotions. We can use the words of the poets and songwriters who crafted the Psalms to help us when we don't have the words to say, to help us to cry out to God, whether that's for justice or whether it's simply in lament and sorrow and sadness or grief. We can use the Psalms as we weep and wail and ask how long and those who pen the Psalms remind us also to remember God's faithfulness 
mercy, and forgiveness. And that no matter what trials may come, we are to sing God's praises. No matter what happens, yet will I praise him. Well, this season of Lent, which runs from Ash Wednesday to Easter, is 40 days long. You get to 40 days if you don't count the Sundays, which are observed as mini feast days within Lent. The 40 days of Lent bring to mind the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness, where he fasted and prayed and was tempted. These days are reminiscent also of the 40 years Moses spent being prepared to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and the 40 years the people then wandered in the desert, being prepared themselves to enter into the promised land. And the time that Jesus spent in the desert was surely a challenging, grueling, hard time preparing for his public ministry. Interestingly, St. Mark tells us in our reading today that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. Now, this was not because God was punishing Jesus or that Jesus was in trouble. Far from it. Indeed, we know this because immediately before this, Jesus had heard that voice from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. We heard those words here in church just a few weeks ago, ago on the first Sunday after the Epiphany, when we celebrated the baptism of Christ. I spoke then of what wonderful and empowering words these are for a son to hear from his father. My son, beloved. And these were words that I'm sure must have encouraged and equipped and inspired Jesus in the days set before him in the wilderness how important it is that we hear again and again and that we receive afresh what God thinks of us. And the words he has for us are words of love and affirmation, whether or not we mess up or let him down. And that's what Jesus heard when he was baptized. But Mark writes, immediately, the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. Not for a nice retreat or a few days hike, but into the chaos and the cruelty and the loneliness of the desert. God did not take shortcuts to glory. Jesus took the long way, the challenging way, the difficult way. And the way of glory, as the other Father Jonathan reminded us last week, was the way of the cross. And it started for Jesus here in the wilderness and of course, one of our tasks as Christians is to imitate Jesus, to be like him, to follow him. And following Jesus can lead us into some pretty difficult, challenging, even lonely places. So while it is true that like Jesus, you are God's beloved daughter or son, it is also true that like Jesus, we may also find that the Holy Spirit drives us into times in the wilderness. The invitation to the observance of a Holy Lent that we made here on Ash Wednesday this past week was an invitation to step into the wilderness. 
I want to share with you a poem I came across this week by Ruth Burgess. It's entitled Bread of Tomorrow. The desert waits, ready for those who come, who come obedient to the Spirit's leading, or who are driven because they will not come any other way. The desert waits, ready to let us know who we are, the place of self-discovery. And while we fear, and rightly, the loneliness and emptiness and harshness, we forget the angels whom we cannot see for our blindness, but who come when God decides that we need their help, when we are ready for what they can give us. Jesus was driven into the desert by the Holy Spirit, really, it seems, as an immediate consequence of his anointing by God. You know, when Mark uses the word immediately, it could also be used in the sense of inevitably, as night follows day. And so, as Jesus was anointed and, and declared to be beloved, well, Yes, absolutely, and as night follows day, that meant he had to do the next thing, which was to go into the wilderness. For until the powers of darkness were met head-on by Jesus at the beginning of his ministry and then at the end on the cross, evil could not be dealt with. And just as God did not bring salvation by remote control, pushing buttons and directing the action from a distance light years away, but entered our world in all of its brokenness. So too are we who follow Jesus, oftentimes called, maybe even driven, into the wilderness. Maybe to confront evil, maybe to take an uncomfortable hard look in the mirror at ourselves for a time of self-examination. But the good news is that we never enter this world's wilderness places alone, for Jesus is with us by his Spirit. And, and I love that bit in, in Mark where he just almost as a throwaway says, he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts. Okay, well, he, he's the Lord of all creation. He was there at the beginning when the beasts were created. And then this, and the angels waited on him. Don't know what, don't know how. I wonder how many times perhaps have angels waited on us and we've been unaware of their presence. I suspect probably many times. But thank God that he is with us by his spirit, maybe sending ministering angels. And he's with us because... And it's good news because we need his guidance, we need his protection, we need his wisdom, we need his strength. And where Jesus goes, there is healing. In our Ash Wednesday service, we receive the invitation in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination, by prayer, fasting and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. As we take a look this morning at Psalm 25, I want us to see what this psalm has to tell us about three of those things, three of those charges in Lent. Prayer, reading and meditating on God's Word, and self-examination. Our portion today began at verse 3, but I commend the whole psalm 
to you for your homework today. Verse 3, show me your ways and teach me your paths. You know, this is not so much a prayer for personal guidance, though it could be, but more a prayer that we be schooled in God's ways, to be prepared for whatever may come. And with the psalmist, we too need to know not only the ways of God, but also be made to walk in them. It's no good just knowing with our heads. We have to walk with our daily lives. So we need both to understand the Scriptures and to have the strength to walk in them, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And, you know, strength to do anything typically comes through training and practice and perseverance. And that's partly what our Lenten disciplines are about, to train us in righteousness, to train us in these things. But we need to note, too, the psalmist is quick to acknowledge that he can't do this just by trying really hard. He can't do this in his own strength. He needs help, and he's dependent on God's help. As he says, for you are the God of my salvation. I need you, God, to save me. In you have I trusted. And as he meditates on God's word, the desire of the psalmist to be strengthened to walk God's ways leads him to some very honest self-examination. Verse 6, remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. I suspect he's not thinking of when he was a child, but maybe as a young adult, I don't know. Clearly, he remembers them. He'd just rather like God not to. But interestingly, we see the word remember three times. First, verse 5, the psalmist asks God to remember that he, God, is compassionate and loving. Second, he asks God not to remember his own sins. And third, and I love this, he asks God to remember him. Verse 6b, remember me according to your love. Remember me not, not because of my waywardness and my sins, but remember me because you've said that I'm your beloved son. Would, would you remember me, God, like that? And of course, God loves to remember us like that, of course. When we take time to read and meditate on God's word, when we remember his goodness and in bleak contrast, our own ungoodness, our falling short in a myriad ways, we soon discover, as we heard in the words inviting us to confess our sins this morning, that our sins accuse us. They do. And you know who else accuses us? Our enemy, Satan. He loves to accuse us. He whispers one thing in this ear and he runs around and whispers another in there telling us how terrible we are. Oh, that's not God. God is not the accuser. But if we realize through meditation and prayer and being in the word that we have sinned and we need to confess our sins, then of course we do that. And God who is compassionate and merciful and gracious will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The psalmist declares, gracious and upright is the Lord. That's an interesting juxtaposition of, of words for God, upright and gracious. Because God is upright, 
He cannot ignore sin and just kind of turn a blind eye to it. And yet, because he is gracious, he can forgive us. You know, in this psalm, we see echoes of the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that God is just and merciful, that God is the God of our salvation, that he leads us and guides us, and his paths are pathways of love and faithfulness. And so I want to encourage you this Lent to slow down in your reading of Scripture. You know, I don't know how you read the Bible and how often you read the Bible, but, you know, sometimes I have that I've got to get it done mentality. I need to do my daily reading, and I look it up, and I do my reading, and, okay, I've done it, and I check it off the list. Well, sometimes less is more. If you need to read just one verse, then do that and sit with it and read it slowly and then read it again out loud. And, you know, one way, that you can, one way that you can do this with the Scriptures is to take the songbook in the Bible, take the Psalms, and, and spend time with them. Use them. Take today's Psalm 25 and pray those words. Learn a portion of the Psalm. The refrain which we sang a moment ago, which I taught the kids, is a great prayer to learn. Show me your ways, O Lord and teach me your paths. What would it look like if we do that this week? It's 11 words. Even I can learn 11 words. And you can pray those 11 words on the bus or in the car or at work or wherever you are. You can pray them when you're anxious or afraid. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. You can pray them when you're not sure what you should say or what you should do. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. You know, Jesus clearly knew his hymn book, his book of Psalms. Indeed, in the Gospels, we see Jesus quoting from the Psalms more than any other place in the Old Testament. And he quoted lots of Scripture. Jesus used Scripture, of course, to counter the temptations in the wilderness. We didn't have it in our Mark's gospel this morning. You find it in the other gospels, but he used the scriptures. It wasn't the Psalms. It was from Deuteronomy. He uses the Old Testament when the Pharisees are trying to trap him and trick him. He knows his Bible. He's learned it. He's memorized it. And he knew the Psalms. And we'll see that at the end of Lent when we get to Good Friday. So poignantly, even from the cross, Jesus calls to mind Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And my guess is that although that's what's recorded that he said from the cross, my guess is as he hung there, he knew the rest of the psalm. He was crying out in that moment of agony. You know, it's often said that most people learn their theology uh, from the hymns and the songs that they know. And I think that's probably true, which is great. Um, it just means we need to make sure we're singing jolly good songs, which we do try and do here at Ascension. But I know that during some of the most difficult times in my life, it has been the Psalms 
that have helped me when I just didn't know what to pray. It's been the hymns that I would sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that I would hold on to. You know, one of the reasons that we have so much Scripture reading and singing in our services is so that these words may sink in deep and become part of us. And our liturgy likewise does the same thing. Indeed, nearly all the liturgy that we use comes directly from the Scriptures, or is at the very least a a statement of biblical truth. So this Lent, whatever you might be giving up, I urge you to take on reading the Psalms. Sit with them. Learn portions of them. Might be small portions, that's okay. Pray them. Say them out loud. Read them slowly. Meditate on them. Some of you might even try uh, writing your own psalm. Because, you know, because they are poetry and songs, the psalms are carefully constructed. They're not prose. Indeed, some of the psalms are actually acrostic poems. Indeed, Psalm 25 is, if you have the whole thing, all 22 verses. Uh, each verse is the first uh, is based on the first each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And you can have some fun with this way of thinking and praying and engaging with God's word. Now, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just me. I, I have fun with this kind of stuff. I, I had, uh, this might be TMI, so I apologize in advance, but I, I had great fun when I was um, courting Andrea. I decided I would send her this text message And I was just thinking about all the great things that I thought about Andrea, and I thought, well, I could use the alphabet. That would help me. So I went through A to Z, quite challenging with Z, actually, or Z, as I like to say. But um, and uh, and then I got through. It wasn't so difficult after all. In fact, so I did it. I did it twice. So they were couplets. I'm not going to share them with you. (laughs) But you can do that in your prayers, because I hope that at least. We're not always asking for things from God. We're not always crying out in desperation. Sometimes we want to express our love for God. Why don't you write him a poem? Or at the very least, you could use 26, you know, words, try it. In these 36 days of Lent that are left to us, I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent. By self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. Amen.